gonna let you that know, go. <laughs> through it but I just it amazes me how to me the women were really treated badly back in the Bible days I mean it's like if a woman if a man thought a woman cheated on him then they had to drink this ash stuff and all that and then they would blow up and their women there would shrivel up and all that and if they didn't then it wouldn't you know it's like I'm from and on that very strange beginning, ladies and gentlemen, this is the chapter-by-chapter chapter live class with Crossroads Assembly of God, Greenville. And I am Kevin Evans, who is uh, leading the complicated discussion of Acts at the moment. Uh, last week, we uh, started chapter 8, and we chapter 8, uh, Luke the writer of Acts uh, introduces us to Philip, who was one of the Hellenistic Jews that um, became one of the seven, what we're calling the deacons in the early church, uh, along with Stephen. And uh, Philip has been approached by a man called Simon the Sorcerer, and we discussed uh, Simon the Sorcerer and how Peter addressed him and so on. And that's where we stopped. Now, Luke continues to tell Philip's story at verse 26, and we have this really kind of a strange conversion uh, story that finishes out this chapter, and then we don't see much from Philip after that. So it's just uh, uh, Luke felt the strong need to include this story. So beginning at verse 26, I'm going to read the rest of uh, chapter 8, and then we'll discuss it. Now an angel of the Lord uh, said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip and he came up and he sat with him. Uh, the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came with some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. 
And as a side note, we, we hear about Philip again about 30 years later, and he's still in Caesarea. Or at least he was again in 30 years later. So there it is. Okay, unpacking this was really kind of interesting. Um, the eunuch. A eunuch is a castrated man. Let's start there. Um, in most royal houses, you would have, particularly uh, uh, Arabic royal houses, you would have a sheik, and he would have his primary wives. And then there were all of the secondary concubines that were part of the household. He had a whole group of, of females. Well, that requires administration, and they have to be cared for, and they were usually cared for well. You know, we have, we have to pamper the females. And so we need, he doesn't need to take care of all of the drama that's going to go on in all of that group. <laughs> So he, he uh, has a hired man that's going to do that, a fairly high up, trustworthy subordinate. But you can't just take any old guy to go take care of your females in a royal household because then people are going to say, I wonder who's really the father. And so we castrate him so that we can be certain that the guy taking care of the harem is not the father of any of the children. And also didn't women leaders used to castrate some of the men to make them into their servants. In the I don't know. What movie are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that one. The thing is, it's not a... It's, uh, the, if you have a eunuch, he is representing a royal household. The only time that happens, this is a rich guy who is working for the bosses. Uh, usually if a eunuch comes across you and you know general you know market, you kind of give him some deference because he's powerful because he has control of the sheik's you know uh, assets. Uh, the, the, by saying he's a eunuch, we're basically saying he's an important man. Did you know? he volunteer to be a eunuch or did they force him to be a eunuch? You know, I think that varies. Um, so, so Philip comes across an Ethiopian who is African, kind of further down. He had to travel to get to Jerusalem. And uh, he's <coughs> Jewish? Or he's a religious seeker? He's gone to the, he's gone to the temple for feast day. Now, there are Jewish, there's a big Jewish population in Ethiopia that goes back a long way. I don't know how long far back it goes. But, the Queen of Sheba. Yes, okay. And uh, so, so here he is. Uh, he's a royal Ethiopian who has gone to the temple to worship and now he is going home with his retinue in his chariot and he has a copy of Isaiah okay that, that one's that's surreal right there because there aren't a whole lot of copies of the you know because you have to hand copy a scroll in order to make a, a, a copy of Isaiah and it's considered sacred text in a, a a synagogue would do well to have 
uh, a copy of Isaiah. You know, they don't have every one of the books. You know, you're trying, and they're expensive to have done. Some, some books would take a, a long period to, for, for a scribe to copy, and you have to pay that scribe very well, and it has to be perfect. You know, so, so that's a big deal. So publishing was a, was, was a tricky thing. So what this tells us is that he's rich. He, he bought that book from somebody that was willing to part with it and probably was uh, selling it under the table when, when they sold it. Because uh, an Ethiopian in a chariot going home to Ethiopia should not have a book of Isaiah. But he does. So... Having a book of Isaiah is extremely important to this man, considering the sacrifice that he would have had to have made to have that. So he's absolutely a seeker, whatever his background is. And he's reading Hebrew. So he's got enough background in, in Jewish uh, learning in order to, to, to engage with it. But... He doesn't understand Isaiah, which tells me that he, he hasn't heard this read to him before. He, he's not attending synagogue, you know. So, so I don't know how deep into Jewish faith he is, but he's certainly pursuing God. And so an angel appears to Philip and says, go there. So this is, God is intervening in this Ethiopian's life. He's, he's making this happen, you know. I think I've got a question. Yes. Okay. Um, he ends up getting baptized. Uh-huh. Jewish people don't usually get baptized. Yes, they do. Jewish people yes. baptized? When people from outside the Jewish faith convert to Judaism. Mm -hmm. There is a process. Usually it's when you have a Syrian who marries a Jew. Okay. Uh, and you want her, usually, to embrace the Hebrew faith. Uh, she'll be interviewed. She'll, she'll take a class, beginner's class. Okay. And then they baptize her oh. into the Jewish faith. And this idea of dying to your old life and rising to the new was not something new to the Jews. They, they, it was, but it's, but it's when somebody comes into the faith from outside of it. If you were born into a Jewish family, that did not happen. Which why the Jewish officials were very offended by the Jews baptizing the Christianity because of what it represents in Jews, in their mind, Judaism to Christianity. And it's why John the Baptist, by what he was doing, was completely offending them because he was taking good Jewish that's, yeah, loyal people and baptizing them into, into a new faith in, in it God. It represented a change in belief. Yeah, yes, and so he, it, that was a little rebellion going on that they were trying to monitor, but they never quite caught him in anything heretical. You know? You were asking, uh, go. See, this eunuch, though, he was, he was, a woman was in charge, I mean, the queen, Candace, she had taken him, so that's why I asked that question. I'd heard that women, powerful women, would take the men and they would make them into eunuchs to serve them. Okay. Um, the eunuch thing wasn't just for harems. It was, if you were an administrator in the royal household, 
they might all be eunuchs. You may not be in charge of the harem in general. You may be the accountant, but they want to make sure that you're safe if you're hanging out in the palace, you know. And so that was just kind of a custom. I wouldn't get too hung up on that. Yeah, and I, he was a treasurer. I see that. Yeah, and I was looking for Candace, but Candace is a broad general term. It's kind of like princess, but not even that. It's it's it just means female royal, and so queen of the Ethiopians could also be a really broad thing. There might be several of those. He is from a royal, powerful household in Ethiopia. He is not necessarily working directly under the sheikh of all Ethiopia. And if she's queen, then it just means she may not be the monarch. She might be the queen of the monarch. Yes. But also, with the other purpose for eunuchs, where you get castrated, you have no outside relationship. I mean, it, it, You're very focused. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. I mean, you're devoted. That was devotion. They assume you don't go out much at that point. Yeah. Right. Okay. You're, Fair enough. So I have a question. Okay. Is so because this really seems like it's so significant that Philip encounters this person because I mean, as soon as they're, as soon as everything is done, like, I mean, Philip leaves, so there's nothing else. So is, is he mentioned again? Like, Whatever happened after this? Like, does uh, the Bible talk about that? Like, why this was so significant? Because, uh, I mean, the angel, and then he baptizes him, and then literally Philip leaves supernaturally and goes elsewhere. And so, what, I mean... The Bible doesn't, but church history does. And the entire... Uh, uh, oh... Egyptian Christian Church claims this Ethiopian as being the founder of their faith. The Coptic Church. Coptic, yeah, that's, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, all the Coptics go by and claim that. And so Coptic kind of means just Egyptian, but it's just, you know, the, 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 the African Northern Church. So it's led to believe that this particular person yes. went back and there was a great this, impact this was the beginning of, of a, 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 this was a seed of a huge church growth. And, wow. and there are several different flavors of Coptic Christian in different countries, and they're all about. But it says, according to Irenaeus, he became a missionary among his own people, and it wow. spread throughout the African yeah. spot, which wow. back then that was considered the edge of the world. I taught a Coptic Christian a few years ago. They uh, moved into uh, Texas and bought a convenience store, and the because uh, that's what you do when you move into Texas. <laughs> 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 That, that was not racist. That was an observation. Anyway, uh, they all say that. I, and, and I taught the high school boy, and uh, he had grown up in Egypt. He spoke kind of a, 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 a Egyptian flair English, but uh, he had a cross tattooed in between his forefinger and his thumb so that when he shook a Muslim's hand, they would be forced to touch the cross, which really irritated them. Wow. He was aggressively uh, uh, confrontational to, to Islam. Wow. And because he'd grown up in the middle of Egypt where they were aggressively you know, uh, confrontational to him. And so they, they came to Texas where we, they, people barely understand the conflict and uh, he was all out of people to be mad at. 
and that's from the, the high school teacher's perspective, you know, so keep that in mind. You know, I'm, I'm always analyzing a student to figure out where he's coming from so I can teach him, oh, you know, so, yeah. You mean therapy? Yeah, it's something like that, actually. Yeah. So you think that Philip went to Caesarea and that's where he finished off his ministry, was there? I do. Uh, okay, so, John and Jerusalem to worship, uh, Philip ran to the chariot, heard the man read Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're doing? And he, he reads a section from uh, Isaiah. He explains it. And he's baptized right there. That was really quick. I think he understands what baptism means. Uh, he may have already been baptized into the Jewish faith as an Ethiopian because that's that process. I suspect he... He knew that this face was changing, and that he had he had he had he had embraced Christ, and so he asked Philip to to bring him into uh, what what Luke calls the way, which was the new description of what the Christians were. I like the way Luke writes. Luke always writes. He starts out his like the book of Luke and like the book of Acts. He starts out. This is what from witnesses. This is what I'm writing. Yes. Well, he was. He, Luke was a detail man, and he and it's always true in all Jewish writing that you want to quote your sources. You never want to hang yourself out there and say something just is without backing it up with somebody else said that first. Which is why people were so amazed at Christ. Christ was just telling them the truth, and they're going, "You say that like you know that's true, you know? And where does that come from, you know?" And so. Uh, Yes, and so Luke, being a good writer, is going to tell you where it all comes from, you know. Is he as unique as the way his writing was compared to the other apostles? In what way? Okay, I want to argue with this. Did he use more details? Well, it's like he's telling it after the fact. Yes. From witnesses, they're telling it as it's happening, it seems like. They're, they're Matthew writing. was... Matthew and Mark, they're kind of like, it's kind of like they're trying to write it as it's happening. Okay. You don't agree with that? I'll let you have it. <laughs> po point for you, point for you. I choose not to, con to uh, contest you, so there you go. I know that point's useless. What? No, no, all points count. All points count. <laughs> I did. I gave him three, three Wednesday night. He sure he earned them. He really I did. Okay. So they came to some water and he got baptized. And then he gave orders to stop the chariot. Fill up in the unit. Be down in the water. Then they came out of the water. The spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Caught him up. Translation. Beat me up, Scotty. Just like uh, Elijah. He was transported. Somebody, he disappeared and appeared somewhere else. Yeah. Can we believe that that still takes place to this very day? Absolutely. It's Star Trek. Praise God. Because <laughs> I do. Like, but I, I have pray for some travel. No, it's I, happened twice. To I have encountered yeah. people. It's happened people. twice to you? Yeah. Oh, tell this story. No, 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 no. no. But, but translation still happens today, absolutely. I mean, there was two supernatural things that took place in this right here that people to this day 
don't they believe it was for this time, but it's not for now. Right. But I believe it's for right I now. I think everything's for all times. I don't no, think. No, I, yeah. I do too. But okay. I just I don't understand how you couldn't believe if God is the same God of the Bible. Why is He not the same God here in today's time? He is. And why, you know, do people not believe that we can encounter angels and interact with angels and and that God can supernaturally, we can be in one place and and then we can be in another place. You'll just run into like, too like, much conflict. <laughs> I mean, because they would they they say that that can't happen. But it it absolutely can, and I believe that that we should be open and and available. We, we were to, coming. We were coming from a late meeting when we were re being raised, um, getting our support for missions. And we drove from northern Michigan trying to get back to central Michigan where we live so our kids could be in school on Monday morning. Had a Sunday night service and we were in a blizzard. Oh, you did tell this story. Okay, go ahead, finish We up. were in a blizzard and I got onto Highway 110 which goes straight east into Lake Michigan. I mean straight west into Lake Michigan and I had just gotten onto it, and here was the sign for our hometown, Ludington, Michigan, 105 miles. You know, one of the green signs yes. that's reflective. And we knew we had to get home to get the kids in school, and you're fighting in the blizzard, and uh, the kids who were asleep in the back of our custom van, and I kept going five minutes past from when we saw that sign, and here was a sign, welcome to Ludington, Michigan. I missed all that blizzard then. I was driving in the blizzard, but then here we were in Ludington and home, and five minutes had gone by from when that happened. That happened to us. My wife is my testimony to that. She was there too, in the seat next to me. So. It happens, and it, I had it happen another time as well. And Christ was in the boat with his disciples, and uh, they're in the middle of a storm, and he calmed the storm, and then they Boom. were on shore. They're on the other side, yeah. but they've been toiling the whole time, and they sure. couldn't get in. So, uh, so I like the ending on that story instead of the Gator story. <laughs> <laughs> that was a much better ending. That was a much better ending. I felt better now. Better yeah. You yeah. brought me down early. No, I'm You know, and, and, and I, I wonder about this, and, and, and I, I shouldn't be, because this is the Word of God, and I should take it at its surface value. But all of the, the, the miracles that we see in Scripture, and I would say everywhere else, are there for a purpose. It's, and it's not so much that everybody needs to be healthy, it's that God needs to demonstrate His grace. And it's he's not after our physical needs. He's after our you know our, our spiritual needs. He wants us to believe and, and depend upon him. And and so all the miracles have purpose for that reason. And so every, all the lepers didn't get healed. Just that one to prove his point. Well, the other story is the feeding the five thousand started people getting around just falling for a free meal. And at one point they say do another miracle. And he yes. Goes, no. no, yeah. <laughs> so, so here's Peter, and he's just brought this eunuch to Christ. He baptizes him, and then, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Philip. And then Philip uh, 
suddenly disappears and appears in a city 30 miles away. Why? Did he need to get to this other town really fast? Or could he not have walked? Or could he not have hitched a ride in the chariot with the Ethiopian? I'm pretty sure he would have taken him there. But why, why was that necessary? Can't God just be good? Yes. But remember also how these miracles were to substantiate what the, what the apostles were to teaching. To prove that this was. Yeah, this is, this is not just another. We're talking about the, the Holy Spirit. Here. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here. We, okay. we have to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we do what we do. And this is why it happens. And because this is brand new. Mm -hmm. this, the, the, the teaching of, of the Holy Spirit coming down was not common. And so you, he wanted to demonstrate it. But he didn't stay long enough, though, to baptize him in the Holy Spirit. He baptized him in water. But it doesn't say he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, no. But we're not saying that. Well, that no, no, I know. I know. At that point. But, it's it's I know. but I, you know, it's like I've heard people say that back in the Old Testament, that angel of the Lord was actually Jesus. That, that there was a difference in an angel speaking and the angel of the Lord. They, they referred to the angel of the Lord as Jesus. Have y'all ever heard that? Yeah, it depends on who you talk to. Some say it was Jesus. Some say it was a specific angel that was underneath it. Yeah. Did you hear that, Kenny? He's mumbling. I'm sorry. Well, neither, I mean, I, I mean I, it just depends because sometimes they say the angel of the Lord was a pre-incarnate Christ. And then others, theologians, say it was just a, a really powerful official angel that was a specific agent for God, like okay. chief of staff or something. Of the Either way, it's a miracle. Could it be possible that the reason for the transportation be because if not, if he didn't just go away instantly, that the Ethiopian might have just followed him around and became his disciple instead of going to where he was supposed to go back home. That's an interesting take. That never occurred to me. I think it's very probable. Or did he need okay. to be back in time to preach the message because the service was already going? He may, yeah, we don't really know what was going on in Azotus where he was getting, you know, and so that's not recorded, but there, you know, there may have been purpose there too. Faith was in charge back then. My faith. Your faith was in charge back then? Okay, yeah. So, so Philip suddenly, after baptizing the Ethiopian, is uh, sent to Azotus instantaneously by the Spirit where he traveled about and preached the gospel in all the towns and ended up in Caesarea. In Caesarea. And uh, in church history, uh, Philip is known as Philip the Evangelist because he is the first person that really began traveling from one place to the next to the next. And uh, the Holy Spirit is literally using him to spread the gospel. And uh, this Ethiopian went out and evangelized Northern Africa. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, the, the, the word really takes off with Philip. And, and that's kind of Philip's story. We don't really come back to him too much again. Yes. Where is Ashdod at exactly? 30 miles from where he was to begin with. Is north what of, I it's north at. of Gaza. I got the map right here. Yeah, do you? It's only that far. That far? Yeah, it's, it's happening. It's it. happening to what? Is Ashdod part of Africa or where? No, it's, it's in Israel. It's in Israel. Okay. It's north of Gaza. Okay. Yeah, see, there's Gaza. We need to Ron's backing me up. There's Gaza. Oh, right. There it is right there. Okay, yeah, I'm right just there. curious where Ashdod was. Check with Steve, so we'll bring it. 
She's not here. She's not bossing me around. The, the, the big hill that's being blown up right now. Yeah. Probably. Uh, it's right there. I had another break out Oh yeah, I, I made a note that this is before Peter's big revelation that the gospel is for Gentiles as well. But notice who the gospel is going to. It's going to people that are not. Jewish, you know, and so we've, we've got the Hellenistic Jews, you know, they're just kind of half foreign, and then we've got the Ethiopian Jews, where they're kind of half foreign, you know, all of these the, 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 these first converts are getting away from Israel. Um, wow, that's interesting, isn't it? And here, and here, you know, Peter is thinking that it's for the chosen people. Well, Jerusalem, yeah. Judea, then Samaria, yeah. then the other yeah, yeah, part. Yeah. Yeah, but Judea and Samaria are still in Israel. Yeah, that's you, you know, you know God, so, God had to bring allow persecution to come upon them for them to do what Jesus told them to do in the first place. He told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and they were staying right there in Jerusalem. So, I believe that the persecution came to scatter them out of Jerusalem to go and do what Jesus said to do, and that's why this is happening. And Peter had a prejudice, and that's one of the th drawbacks of Peter. Even though the Spirit spoke to him and he went to the Gentiles and, and you know, came back and told what happened, he still held that prejudice, and that's why him and Paul were always at odds with each other. Are you saying God orchestrated the persecution? I think God allowed that persecution to happen so that they would scatter out of Jerusalem because they were not doing what Jesus said. Jesus said, go and be baptized and go into all the world, and they were staying right there building a church a multi-thousand-person church there in Jerusalem instead of going, they weren't leaving Jerusalem to go elsewhere. And I think that's why the persecution, that's my opinion, but I think that's why the persecution happened because when it happened, it scattered them where they went out and started preaching. We, we, we did. I kind of agree with that, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God sent it or he allowed it. Yeah, I, I think God uses our stupidity to his... This gets really complicated, but uh, I don't believe that we are individually predestined to anything in particular. We, we, we have control of our own lives and make our own decisions, and we have free will. However, God exists outside of time, and he has already seen the end of this book, you know? And we still make our own decisions. He just knows where it's going to go, if that makes any kind of sense. So when we make foolish decisions, and when we do bad things, uh, God can use those bad things to make his will come about. Because in the end, his will comes about, is what we know. But it really doesn't need us. We just have to get on board or not. You know, the train is leaving the station. You know, whether or not we're riding is the question. We're not choosing the destination. choosing where we sit. Oh, that's, I'm just working that metaphor, right, Tanner? Okay. Point for Tanner. Okay. So, so basically, Thank you. basically this eunuch was being called to preach is basically what this I is think all. so. It's I basically think. what this is all about. God was calling him to preach, and it was time for Philip to go and, and well, get him on the right path. A point I was going to make before, because I put a lot of thought into this, um, people... I keep hearing these, these stories of dramatic conversions. 
And this is a dramatic conversion. And we're about to read Saul's conversion, which doesn't get more dramatic yeah. than Saul's conversion. Uh, and then, I, I, you know, every most Christians I know don't have that story. We, we, we were born into sort of a Christian circle, and then we accept Christ, and then we fall away a little bit in college when we're experimenting with things, and then, and then we recommit ourselves, and then we change our mind about our doctrine, and we end up way over here. And, and it's, it's kind of a process. Okay. And I don't know that our conversion is a process, at least not in my case. But our Christian walk is a, is a process. Yeah. Uh, I'm a product of growth, not dramatic conversion. Yeah. Yes, Lee? I was a brother and raised in the Brethren Church, which is quite different. <laughs> yes, it is. And <laughs> somehow, it was God. I ended up in the Pentecostal or the Assembly of God, and I really seen the difference of the Holy Spirit. Does your family still talk to you? I don't have much family left. Oh, well then. Six brothers <laughs> have passed away. Well, back in the day, we did get converted. They did was, did they have a problem with you joining the AG? Just curious? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I have a sister. I, I, had, I had that conversation too. I'm <laughs> just wondering. Just wondering. Yeah. 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 Some, of, some people are born into a Christian circle. Some people are born into families that don't go to church. Yeah. I think that God would prefer this is this is okay, this is gospel of Kevin. <laughs> I think I know where you're going, but I'll go there too. God would prefer human interaction. He wants us to come to him on our own and he wants us to come to him from where we are. Yeah. And uh, you know when I'm teaching a student well, the first thing I want to know is how much do you know so I can figure out where to start. Because I don't want to start too far ahead of you or I'll lose you. And I don't want to start too far back or I'm going to bore you. And I'm going to get neither, neither one's going to accomplish anything. So, and God's that way with us spiritually. So we all have to come to him from our own position in that spiritual growth. And, and I think God occasionally because he knows the end of the story, may need to interfere in this story just a bit and, and make this guy move a little faster so that all of this comes together over here. He may interfere in this, this weaving that we're all doing on our own in our growth, but he's gonna, he's gonna guide the growth of that plant with a little bit of uh, gardening. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I'm looking for a metaphor here that doesn't quite fit. Well, you can go back to you can go all the way back to the Old Testament where Enoch walked with God and one day he just wasn't anymore. God took him. I mean, he just vanished off the face of the earth. But I think God does interfere. And I think this, this Ethiopian, was, I don't think Philip was important. I think this Ethiopian was important. And I think God pushed a little harder on him, you know, just to make sure that that happened. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. Go ahead. Well, Last I mean, thing I've thought, thought of it because, well, it's interesting. Here's here's the question. I may make someone mad. If all of us were born to, in the Middle East, a strong Muslim family, how many of us would be conservative Muslim believers? I, I people go, no, I'd be a Christian. No. No, no. I'd be the one chopping your head off. 
Right. I, because it's very manly. And I, I, I'm not trying to like, – the way God works out salvation and people coming saved is a it's, – it's part of it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. I was born in a Christian family. I've asked myself this question. I was born in a deacon's family, Christian church the first Sunday after – my mom went into labor during church with me. So I'm – so I have my influence, kind of like what you're talking about, I can't tell you the day I was saved. I was in kids' church. I got saved, and I've been there ever since. If I had not been born into a Christian family, would I be sitting in church today? If I was born in, in Lebanon to a Muslim family, would I be at going to mosque? Well, there was a reason why you were born. Yeah, and, and I said that's the mystery of salvation. Yeah. But the thing is, I also come to believe that kids like me that are born in families, we've got to – I'm not against raising your children in the church if you're a Christian. <laughs> But that's that's what I was about to Watch it, Jim. Watch every word. Our kids have to grow up and find their way in Christ for themselves. That's why, as an ordained Assembly of God minister, I've told all three of my kids, go out and find it. Go ask the questions. Go explore. Most Christian parents aren't brave enough to do that. So the kids are trying to go to heaven on the tailcoat of their parents. Well, but it, it, that faith is not that strong then. I, sorry, it's not. No, I don't. I, I am not the same Christian I am at my age now that I was as a teenager and a young adult. I am no different. And I, I know people say, of course you've grown. No, many of my beliefs have changed within the faith of Christianity sure. because I explored it on my own. Sure. And there are some aspects of my faith that my parents would find, what? Preach it. But I think my faith is stronger for that. My oldest daughter did not want to come to the churches I was pastoring, not because she was anti-me, but she just said, I don't want to go to church where my dad's pastor. I don't like it when you get paid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and so she went out and discovered people, oh my goodness, you let her leave your church? I said, number one, she's 18. Number two, let her find it. She went off to Lubbock. Yeah. And and she is strong in the church where she she goes down to church down the street. She doesn't want to go to church where her dad's. And but she's finding her own identity in Christ. And I think her faith is stronger because of that. This thing of, and so that's what, yeah, there's some that aren't so Paul-like and Ethiopian-like salvation, conversion things. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and I say it because I don't think it's the mystery of how God works salvation with each individual and groups of people just baffles me. I, there's no strict answer there's no, I, I can't judge it. I just think that it's so important that we as individuals, whether we're raised in a Christian church or not, we have to ask the tough questions. And I read books that I completely disagree with on faith about, but that strengthens my faith. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you should read everything. But I think you should read way everything. everything, too. Yeah, I'm very cynical. stupid, I think. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I let my kids read books that disagree with our faith completely. Sure. But I think they're, they're still in service. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there's, a, there's, there's a time, and I'm just building on what you just said, that our, you know, w- when you're raised within a Christian family, uh, a kid is going to follow his parents' faith. And so you accept what you're told from your parents on, you know, well, on faith, blindly, and, and, and accept that belief. But there comes a point where, that has to turn into your own and you embrace it on your own. And, and sometimes that can be kind of a shock when you, you know. And with me, I was, you know, it, I had a similar experience. I was raised in a very insular Southern Baptist 
community. Everybody I knew, even at school, everybody I knew went to the same, you know, the same group of churches. And uh, I was vaguely aware that there were Methodists. And beyond that, I didn't think there was anything, you know. And, uh, and then I went, I went to two years at Kilgore Junior College where it's still pretty much a Baptist environment there. Then I went to UT, which is the land of sin. <laughs> and and, and suddenly no one that I knew was a Christian. And when I did meet a Christian, they were some weirdo, weirdo. from Wisconsin. You know, it did, you know, they were, it didn't, yeah, it was, well, well, what, what church do you go to? And I never heard of it before, you know, and, and it was really, really strange. And people would say, do you drink? And I'd go, oh no, that's a sin. And they'd say, why? And I said, uh, I can't tell you. I don't know. I've never even weighed it before, you know? And so I stopped. I, 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 and I was, I expressed my individuality by not going to church for two weeks. And I felt miserable. So I thought, no, I can't just drop out of church. But I didn't, but I didn't know where to go. They were all strange here. So I went to church every Sunday. And, I, it, and, and in front of my dorm, there were this row of vans at UT. Where, where all, any, any church in town had a van to pick. And they would load up. And when the van was loaded, they would drive off. And basically, you had to get in the van that you wanted quick or they was going to leave without you. Yeah, that's how it worked. And so I picked a different van every week. And uh, I discovered that Catholics are not quite so bad as I ever thought. And uh, I can get along with uh, Methodists. And uh, Church of Christ have terrible music services. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I kind of got out and about. And I had to kind of sit back and wait. I started Bible studies on personal Bible studies, not something that somebody was telling me to do. And I think that that two years at UT, I kind of became my own man as far as uh, faith goes. And your faith probably came out stronger. I think so. I, I, I was at that point. I, I was feeling pretty hard shell when I got there. But yeah, you know. But, but see, that's where we come to know what you know, what you know, why you know it. Yeah, I couldn't tell you why I believed everything and I believed, but I believed it pretty hard. In wilderness experience, you, you, you kind of learn your survival skills spiritually. Yeah. And I understand everybody's coming from their background. That, you know, I hear people say, I don't understand why Muslims believe in the Muslim religion. That's just ridiculous. But why can't they? These are people who were just like us, went to Muslim kids' church or sure. whatever. And they sure. grew up and they read the Bible. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's ingrained in them. And so you say, hey, here's Jesus. And their whole society is wrapped up in that faith. And so well, you never get exposed true. to yeah. anything no, else. Can say the same thing about some Christian? True. Well, fair, fair, fair. And y'all correct me if I'm wrong. The Methodist in the early days were fire breathers, okay? They, 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 you know, but now, but now they don't believe, now they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're gonna make so many Methodists angry with that statement. Oh my goodness. That was Bill Singleton? Harry Singleton? No, my cousin is a circuit rider in Mississippi. Would you know what a circuit rider is? I do. Okay. And he's a Methodist preacher and a circuit rider. And, you know, we were talking about things, and I, that's when I found out that they don't believe in the actual baptism of the Holy Spirit. They, don't, they believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit, but they don't believe the baptism. I think of the that Holy depends Spirit. on which Methodist you're talking to. There's different, there's different yeah. sects within the Methodist church. Methodist church and Lutherans definitely believe. Oral Roberts ended up in the Methodist church. 
And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are done with chapter 8. We are going to pick up chapter 9, the conversion of Paul, next week. And, and that's going to turn into a slow crawl. Okay, signing off.